Yes, welcome to Elul. Uh, <laughs> this month is about bigger thinking about who am I and like it's not about fixing all the details this month, right? A lot of people think teshuva, tshuva, is about um, going back and fixing all the details. Now, if you know there's things you've done wrong that you need to make amends for, for sure don't hold back and do it, right? But this month is really about thinking of, um, everyone sign this, by the way? Did anyone not sign this? Thanks. Um, this month is about um, a, bigger, a bigger thinking of who am I? Am I going on the right trajectory? What are some big themes in my year that have come up? Let me look back. Let me reflect in a bigger, more macro way. That's what this month's about. So that I can stand in the best place for Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah, we know, is the most powerful day of the whole year because you can literally transform and change your coming year based on who you are on that day. So I'm, I think we're going to do a class before Rosh Hashanah. When's Rosh Hashanah? What date? Nine. Right, so we have another meditation on September 3rd. So I want to focus on Rosh Hashanah, like how we can be in the best place for Rosh Hashanah on that day. Right now, what's important is to do what we call a cheshbon nefesh. Cheshbon nefesh is the term for like an accounting of your soul. I start thinking back over the year, you know, what, what sort of themes came up? What sort of um, situations did I find myself in? And um, what patterns did I notice? Did I, try, could I, did I attract the same kind of situation? Do I find myself in the same kind of relationships or struggles or challenges? Do I keep butting heads against the same kind of people? You know, am I in a, a lockdown with one of my relatives that I always get into this rut with and I dread family, family gatherings and parties because I know I'm going to have to see that relative. And right, There's certain themes in our life that keep coming up that we um, think are a hassle and annoying, but really they're there to make you great. And this month is about reflecting on that. Elul really is about renewal. And, and it's Virgo. The month of the, the star sign is Virgo. Yeah. Anyone in Virgo? It's my month too, so I love it. What um, day are you? I'm 1st of September or the 14th of Elul. You're the 8th? What are you? September 13th, but I'm Tishrei, so... You're, like, cheating. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you're so diehard Elul, Elul wannabe. Okay. Um, so Elul is all about renewal and growth and, uh, and, and that we all have this capacity to renew ourselves and go back to... Teshuva really means return in Hebrew, right? The word Teshuva, which is what we say a lot at this time of year and you hear it a lot in all the prayers, is about returning to your higher self, returning to your full potential, returning to the person you know that you could be. Right? And through the year, we do all sorts of things that we know, oh, it's not really who I want to be. I don't want to really be that, want to be that person that gets easily irritated with people or is judgmental or is critical or thinks badly of myself or is insecure. Right? That, that t- it's a very small place that we come from when we come from those places. And we all, we all have them inside of us. Right? We all have them inside of us. And it's not about feeling bad when you notice you have them. It's about how do I get back to my higher self, my higher place in myself that wants to be bigger than that, right? So we have a capacity of wanting to be bigger than that. And then we snap back sometimes into our smallness and our reactivity and our ego and our, you know, small-mindedness, whatever you want to call it. And um, rather than judging that, in ourselves, just acknowledge it, and then how do I get back? And this month is specifically, what are the typical patterns I do that where I fall back or snap back into my small, narrow-mindedness uh, of myself, like where I, I come back into my lower self, you should say, I should say, like operating from my lower self, and what do I need to do to be able to expand out of that again, to be coming from more of my higher self? What do I need to work on? These aren't just quick fixes. They're things I need to work on, things I need to become aware of. If you don't set time, time aside to really think about it, it may not hit you out of the blue, right? You have to really set time apart, and that's why meditation can be good, just to even have like a meditation on, let me just reflect on my life. Let me just reflect on my year. Let me just reflect on where I'm at. You know, we know that Shabbat every week is like a mini, a mini version of that, but this month is like a, a, is like a whopping month for this. So, um, so... Um, just to give you a context of the flow of the year, Rosh Hashanah is around, uh, the whole theme of Rosh Hashanah that we're leading into is about making Hashem king. Yeah, what does that really mean? Letting go, letting God. Yeah, that I think I'm in control, thank you very much, my life should go the way I want it. And we forget that there's a higher being, higher creator, divine source that's really involved in running the, the whole world, including my life, and knows what's best for all of us, even when we think we do which is often, right? We often say, like, Hashem, you do great running the world. Thank you very much. When it comes to my life, I know what's best, right? And then if things don't go our way, we get upset, we get annoyed, we get frustrated because it should really go the way I want it to go or that I, this is the best way, the thing I want, whatever it is I want out of my life, right? 
So the, the hardest thing to do is to let go, let God, like let go and let God in, into those places where we really want something to be a certain way, right? That's the goal of Rosh Hashanah is to stand in the place where you are your greatest self and your most humble self at the same time, which means not that you feel less than or small or unworthy because people will confuse, unfortunately, humility with low self-esteem. Humility is not low self-esteem. Humility is just knowing your place in the world and knowing that there's a vastness of a, of a divine creator that's involved in your life and wanting that creator to be involved in your life. And so in order for that to happen, I have to know my place and know that I'm small in, this, in comparison, but not that I'm not worthy. You hear the difference? Right? I'm small in comparison, but not not worthy. And the goal is not to feel like you don't have talents and skills and gifts and you're not great at things. The goal is to say, I'm amazing at this. Thank God. Right? That the source of where everything's coming from is from God, not from me, from my ego. When you see people who are so full of themselves, literally so full of themselves, there's no room for anyone else or definitely not God. Right? And, and, they're, and they're repulsive. They're repulsive when you see someone so full of themselves. Right? Because it, it's, just, it's just a lower self. It's a lower self to be so full of yourself. It's a higher self to be more expansive and allow space for, for God in my life and to know my place in, in, in the world, in, in my life. Which is, which is pretty small in the sense of knowing what's going on in the world, right? So Rosh Hashanah is about getting to the place where I can be in my most humbled place, which is ironically my greatest place. Making a Shem King, meaning allowing God to be in my life, allowing a divine source to run my life and wanting to be connected to that divine source. I'm making that the focus that I want to do what you want me to do. I want to align my will with your will, God. I want to align my will that I want what is the best thing for me. And sometimes I don't know that. Sometimes I don't know what the best thing for me is. But if I get into a point where my will is clashing with God's will, and how do you know that happens? How do you know that your will is clashing with God's will? You can feel it. Yes, how do you feel it? <laughs> get agitated and upset yeah you want something and the situation is not allowing you to have that thing and you keep trying to push and push and push and make it happen and it doesn't change so clearly god is saying no in this moment things can't be different and then i have a choice in how i respond to that moment so i can either choose to keep pushing and fighting and being annoyed and frustrated yeah just watch me in new york traffic <laughs> or okay Shem, you want me to be late okay or it's my fault i left too late Right? And I'm late, so now I have to deal with the consequences. Right? Or, and I can just accept. I can just accept in this moment this is what needs to be. If there's nothing else I can do, you have to know when it's out of your control, right? obviously. It's not about being passive in life, but it's about knowing I put in my best effort and now I can't do any more and Hashem's not letting it go through or it's, it's, it's taking it this way instead of this way. Okay, it is what it is. Just sitting with the moment. Yeah. How do you know where to draw that line? Amazing million dollar question. That is the, the, what, you, what you're bringing up now is the, the, the balance between bitachon, trust in God, and effort, hishtadlis. How much effort do I put in to make something happen versus I just trust in God. He knows what's best and he does everything. You hear the question? Mm -hmm. So I once asked my, one of my rabbis this. He did the most brilliant answer. He like summarized it in two seconds. He says, oh, he said, you put as much effort in as any good atheist would. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Imagine how much effort a natural, how much natural effort a good atheist would put into anything. You do that, and then the outcome you live up to God. So you do the effort, and the outcome is it's not up to us. By the way, you know this in simple things. You, how many times have you made the same exact recipe, and it came out totally different twice? But you did exactly the same thing with the same ingredients, because the outcome's not up to us. The outcome's not up to us, even if you do exactly the same thing. By the way, this is why I didn't like uh, The Secret. You know, the movie Secret? You heard of this? Yeah. Law of manifestation, law of attraction, you know, all of this. So there's truth to that. There is truth to it. We're meant to be, we are co-creators with God, and you can block things, and you can be open as a vessel for things and, and, and allow things into your life if you, you know, all of this. But The Secret was a movie that focused on that quality, but it left out the fuller picture, which was that there is a God, and God sometimes says no. Like, no matter what I do to manifest a Lamborghini, I'm probably not going to get it in my life, right? Because it's not good for me. So, but the secret, the movie acts as if, if you don't manifest it, there's something wrong with your manifesting power. Like, it cuts, there's no God in the picture. Meaning, it's purely up to you, as if you're God. And if you didn't get something you wanted in your life by trying to focus on intention and manifest, then something's wrong with your manifesting power. You didn't do it right. 
which is just crazy because otherwise you people are manifesting everything all the time that's bad for them and like there is a god in control of the world and he doesn't let you have things that's going to harm you you know within reason obviously um but anyway so that's a bigger that's a bigger conversation but um so we have l which is now divine assistance to help grow is a whole idea is is that um we're close to god ex- extra close to god in this month than normal anila dodi vidodi li is the is the acronym of elul right everyone knows this is a, a well-known thing no ani Ladodi. So if you spell it out in the Hebrew, it's it's Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed, which spells Elul, right? So Ani Ladodi Vidodi Li. I am to my beloved. My beloved is to me. Meaning there's a closeness. They said they, they liken it to um, if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding where you saw the the groom come towards the bride and the chair and the throne of the bedeckin, and the, they're coming toward everyone singing and whatever, and she's sitting there and she, she's about to smile, her face about to blow up because she's smiling so hard, and it's like the most exciting exciting moment when they see each other for the first time in a week. Yes, you've seen this at a wedding, an observant wedding, and uh, and it's really, really beautiful and special, and it's magical. So that that's that's they, the the Torah says that that's Elul. That's what that's what it's like right now. That we're wanting to move towards God, and God's like wanting us so close, right? There's a specialness right now of that kind of magicalness, and you'll see it if you try to work on yourself and you ask God for help. If you ask God for help this month, you will see it. You'll see things. I remember a crazy story. When I was like, I know, I know, I've got to, I've got to make amends with people that I may be hurt or whatever, but I, um, but I, I know there's so many people that you forget who, who you may be offended, and it's scary because then you can't even make amends because you forgot. There's so many things that we do day to day could offend someone, insult someone, but you forget, you forget, we, we forget, right? We just don't know half the things we need to actually say sorry for. And I remember saying like, if there's anyone I need to say sorry that I really forgot, can you please let me know? Like, you know, I forgot. And I was, and then whatever, I just said it as a little prayer to myself, to God. And then the next day, the day after, I can't remember, a few days later, I was walking by and I saw a girl. And when I looked at her, all of a sudden in my head, I had a flash of a memory from a few years ago, years, where we were at a wedding and we planned a whole shtick. You know, if you've been to an observant wedding, you do these sticky things where you dance for the, the bride and the groom and you do stuff, or not for the groom usually, but the bride. And um, you do fun things. And we were doing this private joke and we planned this whole dance and we planned and rehearsed it all before. And then she came up, this girl, and she said, can I, can I, can I join in? And the music was loud and whatever. And I was just dismissive of her. I said, no, 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 we did it already. But it was just so loud. I didn't have time to speak to her. And we ran off and did the shtick. And I had that flashback put into my head when I saw her after I asked for help when I saw her the next day or the day or two afterwards and I remembered that moment and I was like, oh my gosh, she might have been offended. So I went up to her and I said, can I speak to you? And she looked at me like, yeah. And uh, she, she had converted to Judaism and there's an extra mitzvah in the Torah that says you're meant to be extra sensitive to converts, extra sensitive. They gave up their whole family, their whole way of life and they came to Judaism. You have to have, a, it's a mitzvah to be extra sensitive. So double whammy with this person. And, uh, and I pulled her in. I said, listen, you're going to think I'm crazy. But you remember that wedding three years ago when we did this thing, we did this shtick. And I just kind of said, like, I was, maybe it wasn't three years, probably it was one or two years ago. And she burst into tears. And she said, I, and I was in shock. I literally was in shock. And I was like, I said, you know, like I might have, I, I maybe was a bit dismissive and I didn't know. And like, I just wanted to say sorry in case I offended you at that time. She burst into tears and she said, I, I thought that was the final proof that you didn't like me. And she had internalized it that that was it, like that I just didn't want anything to do with her, like in her context of whatever she thought. And she was so hurt by it. I had no idea. I didn't even know, but I knew some, maybe, maybe it was a bit offensive, but whatever. And I said, oh my gosh, no, that's not what it was at all. I'm so sorry. I was too dismissive. It was just like in the moment. It wasn't like that. Da, da, da. Anyway, I gave her a huge hug and she was like really upset. Like, because you know what, like, you go in and you just call something for what it is and she wasn't expecting it and all of a sudden I acknowledged it. So she was, I was so grateful to, to Hashem that he showed me that. And I was like, how many more are there like that? Like, there's so many. Oh my gosh, right, there's got to be more. Like, there's got, we do this all the time, right? But I'm just saying, the reason I'm telling you the story is because when you ask Hashem for help, he'll really reveal it to you, right? So, there's an idea that we, this month is about getting close and in the bigger picture. Then there's Rosh Hashanah, just standing before Hashem and, and making him king. That I want to be in the best place I can be for Rosh Hashanah. And that best place, it, it says that the Rosh Hashanah goes back to the genetics or the, of the conception of you as a soul on Rosh Hashanah. So you have the opportunity to change your whole year because you can go back into and access 
that original conception of yourself on Rosh Hashanah, which is why it's such a powerful day. There's no other time in the year you get access to, in a sense, your genetics, your spiritual genes, where you form again as a human being on Rosh Hashanah for the rest of the year. And that's why what you do on Rosh Hashanah is, is magnified. Every single thing you do on Rosh Hashanah is, exempt, is magnified because it's like you're messing with the genes, right? They're going back into conception. So God forbid, if you scratch a, a, an adult, it's not a big deal. You might not even notice it. If you scratch a child, um, it's like, I've got a boo-boo, I need a Band-Aid, ice, ice, right? It's like a big deal when you've got scratches, right, with the child. The sensitive skin, is everything is bigger. If you scratch a baby, it can be a bit scary, right, because they're really sensitive. And God forbid, if you scratch an embryo, that's what we're doing on Rosh Hashanah. We're going back into being an embryo, where every little thing is magnified and everything is more powerful. And so you want to be in the best place on Rosh Hashanah and you can't fake it. I hate to say it. You can't fake it. You have to start now. Like that's what L is for so that you're a month of working on thinking in the right way and focusing on the right way to stand there on Rosh Hashanah in the best way. And that's where you plant a seed of this is who I want to be in my year. I want to make a Shem King. I want to be my most humble self, my most highest self. I want to do good in the world. I want to be who I should be. I want to align my will with your will. I want to try my best to let go when I need to let go. And then after Rosh Hashanah, you planted that seed, comes building. What's the building? I have 10 days now to like say, okay, who do I need to go back and say sorry to and correct? And I start doing all the exercises that I need to do to make amends, return things I've borrowed and um, you know, say sorry to people I know I should have said sorry to earlier. And I start making, going through like actual actions to, to correct. Right now that the right, I planted myself in the right place. And then Sukkot is obviously experiencing the joy of all that work at the end of that. So there's a whole theme that goes on, planting and building, two energies that we need to, to grow. Revolver talks a lot about a planting, planting seeds in yourself that take root, that are the kind of values you want to live by. That's the planting for Rosh Hashanah. And the building is like, it does, it's not enough just to plant. I have to do stuff. I have to build and I have to do little actions. So let me actually start correcting things. So that's the, the whole period we're about to enter now. We're in the middle of now with Elul. Is this the beginning of this journey that we're going on where we get a lot of help. There's a lot of help between now and Sukkot. The whole, the whole way through, there's a lot of help. Of, of divine assistance. Okay. Jackie, sorry, can I just stop you for a second? Yeah. Wow. Hi. Ariana. Hi. Yeah. So, like, I know Elul goes for a month, and then I guess, like, there's different days that you're supposed to be reflecting on certain things. Right? Like, it, or no. In Elul? Yeah. Like, what's the process? It's not just, like, here's a month to reflect. Like, there's, like... It is. It is the month to reflect, meaning there's no, there's no clear structure that, of what everyone has to do. Um, there is a Tehillim, like a psalm that people say every day. Um, but again, for, for ourselves, I think it's about doing what's called a cheshven and nefesh, going through an accounting of your year, um, which I'm going to do now with you guys in meditation, because it's actually when you can access a deeper part of yourself. Um, when you're in meditation, so that you get more clarity than just like skimming through a handout you know, on the train when you're not in such a zone. Um, and then I'm going to give it to you to take home. So the more, the more you do this at home in a quiet space and really think through it, the more you'll kind of see themes emerge. And it's not about being perfect. People think Elul's like, okay, I have to correct everything. No, it's about noticing big themes that come up that I have to start working on. And they're, they're usually bigger things that take like a lifetime to work on. They're not just like a quick thing to fix this month. Oh, you know, I have to be more, you know. So a lot of people take on what, you know, it takes 40 days to change a habit. We know this, right? 30, some people say 30, but in the Torah, 40 is a big, a big number all the time. 40, 40 days, Moses went up onto to Sinai, 40 days in the desert, or 40 years in the desert. Um, 40 comes up a lot. And, um, and ironically, uh, well, I'll go into that in a minute. But just to answer your question, a lot of people will take on as a custom, it's not halakha, just a custom, from the first of Elul through to Yom Kippur is 40 days. So they'll take on and say one thing they really want to work on, a core quality, a character trait, an aspect of a relationship with their family or themselves or anyone or oh God, and they'll work on that one thing every day a little bit, you know, for 40 days and check it off, like check off that I've worked on it no matter what. So the good news is it's not, you don't have to do those 40 days. People just do it. You could start now and just do 40 days up to after Yom Kippur or whatever that is now. We're in Elul 7, 8. What are we in? 8th of Elul? 8th of Elul. So you go a week after Yom Kippur and you do your 40 days. But as you go into Rosh Hashanah, you still... It's the 9th? Yeah. The 9th. 
the ninth of Elul today. So, okay, so you would go nine days after Yom Kippur and you're still working on it and getting all that divine assistance. Um, so I, start, I, I do it every year. I start on the first of Elul with something and I try and do it every single day. And it's really hard because it's not, it's not exciting after the ninth day, right? It's not fun. It's an avoda. It's a spiritual avoda. Avoda means work. It's spiritual work to work on yourself and pick something to work on, right? And it has to be something that you can manage. It can't be something huge. Something of bite size, baby steps. Yeah. Can you give any, not necessarily what you're doing, but can you give an example? Of anything to work on? Of something that fits into like a spiritual characteristic. When I think of something to work on, I usually think of something more concrete. I'm going to be healthier by sleeping eight hours a night. I'm going to call, uh, and I guess like this could be one, but like I'm going to call my grandma more often. Yes. Things like that. Yeah you, yeah, you could say I want to call my grandma three times a week because I know she's really lonely. And most of the time I don't have time for her. So that could, be, that could be a big one. If you feel that that's typically something you shirk off or like you don't like to do, it's annoying. So that, that could be one. Um, sleeping eight hours a night, making sure you get that eight hours would be a, a spiritual avoda if you know you neglect your body, yourself and your body and that you comes from a place of, of lack of self-worth, which most of these things do if we don't look after ourselves, right? So it's like wor- working on myself as a, as a worthy, I mean, seeing myself how God sees me as a Selah Melokim like being made in the image of God, that I'm godly, I have a higher self, I'm a holy soul as well, I'm just as worthy as everyone else. And it's a real lack in myself that I don't see myself that way. So that's how you could work on then choosing, oh, one of the ways I do that is I don't sleep eight hours a night because I don't really care about myself or I always skip meals, right? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't let myself sit down and, eat and nurture myself and eat food. Or I don't let myself have any time, downtime. I keep pushing myself, right? That might be me. Um, right? Because, because I, I, I figure everything else is more important than myself. So it's an avoda then to put yourself first in that way to care for yourself so that you can be your optimal self to be able to continue to give. Right? If for others people, if they're, if they're praying, it could be working on your saying prayers in a, in, a, in a more focused way or at least saying one prayer, one specific blessing that you want to say every day that you want to focus on. Um, or it could be... Um, it could be working on a specific relationship. Yeah, especially they're, they're the ones that usually trigger us the most, right? If you want to talk about between us and other people. Um, so it's any mitzvah, any kind of mitzvah, doing more chesed, um, because I normally don't do it. I normally don't want to do that. I can't be bothered. I don't want to get out of myself. And so in order to expand my sense of self or my, that godly soul, I want to do more chesed. I'm going to volunteer once a week for the next six weeks, you know, soup kitchen. Or, um, you can't generalize. You have to know yourself. This is where you can't get out of knowing yourself. And you can't just hear something that, that sounds good. I'm just going to pluck that and do, right? You can. It's still good. It's still a mitzvah. But there's a, there's a Yetzirah right now. Yetzirah is that negative voice in your head, the spiritual inclination that wants to sabotage your growth, right? There's a Yetzirah in this time right now to distract you with other mitzvahs so you don't do the real work that you should do. So one of the, one of the tactics of the Yetzirah is to fill you up with chesed and doing other good deeds so that you feel really holy because it's this time of year, but really you're not doing the very work that you need to be doing. So it's about knowing yourself. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the big questions is, like, well, who says that this is um, a merciful and a divine assist, divinely assisted time? Like, how do we know this month is specifically got all this help, help you know, that comes down? So in order to understand something, we go back into the first time it was mentioned in the Torah, right? So the first time this happened with, with, with Elul, there was, a, there was a whole balagan in Elul when um, what happened, we received the Torah on Sinai. Moses goes up to receive the rest of the Torah. He's up there for 40 days. We miscalculated. Moses comes back down, we thought, late, but we were getting freaked out because he wasn't coming back down, the whole nation. So what did we do? We built a golden calf, right? that we should worship another idol because we thought our, our big saviour, intermediary, Moses, is not coming down, so we'll build another intermediary so we can communicate with God. Moses comes down with the tablets, freaks out and says, my gosh, what have you done? I was only up there for 40 days. And look, at you're already betraying everything. Smashes the tablets, goes back up for another 40 days to beg forgiveness for us. And God says, please stop, stop begging, stop begging. He doesn't stop. And because he doesn't stop, there's an, act, an, an extra a, uh, mechanism of mercy and forgiveness that was activated by Moses praying for us that when he came down with the second tablets on Yom Kippur, he came back down on the Rosh Chodesh Elul, right, with the second tablets. And there was this extra act of mercy and, and, and forgiveness activated because he was on the, on the mountain for 40 days praying 
for our extra, extra like forgiveness that we needed to be forgiven. So this extra mercy and forgiveness is, is generated in El because of this whole process of us messing up, failing. Moses goes up, prays on our behalf, right? God at, at kicks in this extra mercy for us. So every El we have this extra access to this extra mercy and forgiveness and ability to, to grow and heal. Um, okay. So um, just thinking what else do we need to do before we get to it? Oh, yeah, this is, this is the last point, and then we're going to get to a meditation. So some of you want to follow us on Instagram. I put this on Instagram because I just think it's so cool. El, Elul, right? This is the word for Elul. And as you can see, it's made up of two different words. It's spelt the other way around. If we, if we put the words in the right order, it's lo, which means no or negative. Right? And this also is the word for law, but it means to him. Right? Elul is made up of two little words, law and law. They sound identical and they mean two different things. So it's interesting that a month is made up of these two little words that sound exactly the same and mean completely different things. Law means no or negative, like ken and law, right? Yes and no in Hebrew, yes. And law means to him. So everyone says, well, what's, what's that got to do with Elul? So the beautiful idea that to the degree that I negate myself, my lower self, to the d- degree that I negate my ego, that I nullify myself, to that degree I'm to him, I'm connected. Isn't that a beautiful idea? To the degree that I let go of my ego and that I can come from that higher place, not the lower place that's so committed to my, what's in it for me and my own selfish needs and what do I want. The, to the degree that I can let that go, to that degree, I make space for God to come in. I'm to him, meaning I'm his. Right? And the him is just because God is in the operating mechanism of a masculine, uh, a masculine way of operating. It's not that God's masculine, feminine. You know, you know this, right? God's both. But the, the way of operating in the world is just called a masculine way. Like I'm in a masculine role right now. Right? Giving over. Okay. So this is a beautiful idea and by the way it's so beautiful how it ties in with all the all the, the prayers because if you ever see a you know a Shemone Esrei and Amida when people take three steps back three steps forward and they bow so the spine is known as uh, connected to your ego the spine you know when you stand upright like this it's like it's all about me and it's about and I'm upright I'm just like stiff I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, you have um, what do we say they're unbending you know when you say someone's like they're rigid because they don't, they don't bend, what does that mean? They're not flexible. They don't, they're not able to give over. So the, the bowing in prayer is literally the act of nullification, of feeling like I'm not full of myself. I'm aware that there's a source. I'm humbling myself to want to let that source in. Not that I'm less than nothing, whatever, but I'm humbling myself so that I feel my smallness so that I can feel the connection. Without feeling the smallness, you don't get to feel the connection. You feel the most connected when you feel the smallest, but connected to something bigger. It's an amazing feeling. You've had these moments where you saw God in your life, where you really saw God in your life. You feel so connected to something so amazing, and yet you feel so small. Have you ever had this? Yes? And, and you want it more. You want that feeling more. It feels so good. right? It's, it's such a soul feeling. Sometimes you get it in moments of prayer where you feel connected, right? Especially on the, if you're in, a, in the zone on, on the high holy days. But you can only do it if, if you make yourself small. So the whole bowing is literally to, to put that sense in your body. Everything we do in, in, in Judaism is meant to create an internal state. Everything in the world, in fact, is meant to create an internal state. But the bowing specifically is the ability to, to the degree that I let, I let myself bow over to that degree. And there's an, actually, there's a beautiful idea in the Gomorrah that says... Um, the question comes up on, the, on this exact prayer. If you look in the words, when you're meant to bow, if you've ever looked in the sitter, you say, it says, Baruch, you bend your knees. Ata, you bow. When you're talking to God directly, you're saying, blessed are you. you. When we're in first person with God, like it's just me and you, God, you're like bowing over at the God, at, at saying you to God. And then when you say Hashem's actual name, you're meant to stand up, upright. So the commentaries jump on this and say, what are you talking about? If you're actually going to be nullifying yourself and humbling yourself when you're talking to God, surely when you say his name, you should be like splat on the ground. Like, why is that the moment you stand up? You hear? You hear the question? 
If you really meant to be humbling yourself and nullifying yourself to feel small, why on earth would you stand upright again when you're saying actually Hashem's name? Yeah? It's meant to go Baruch Hata Hashem. That's what you're meant to do. It doesn't make sense if we're going with this whole nullification. You hear the question? It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. Because it says that when you actually do nullify yourself and acknowledge that there's a deeper source, in that moment when you let Hashem in, when we say Hashem's name, it's because if we let Him in, He'll lift us up and put us back on our feet. Right? That to the degree that I'm able to let Him in, to that degree He can come down in my life and lift me up, usually into a better place than I could ever put myself. Ever. Because I've seen it so many times in my own life. When I actually let go for the right reason, amazing things opened up because I let go. Right? And I was, every time I'm like, oh, he, he knows so much better than me. <laughs> and every time I think I do, and it's so hard to let go, and you wrestle with yourself, and then when you finally let go, it's like unbelievable what happened. You're like, I could never have predicted this. <laughs> that was a bad moment. It was a bad moment, but it was, it was a moment of inhale, you know. Um, okay, so the avoda of, of this letting go, the avoda, the spiritual work of Elul is letting go of the I, letting go of the, the me being the center, the ego being the center. I'll share an embarrassing story because it's so powerful and relevant. Um, when I was first learning about Judaism, um, and I was having a lot of you know, spiritual aha moments and, and transformative experiences. I was in Israel and I started writing. I like to write. I'm not particularly good. I'm okay. And I was writing you know, articles and things that happened. I wanted to submit it to different magazines or whatever in the Jewish world. And I was giving it to my rabbi at the time to read, to give me feedback. Now, between you and me and the recording, um, I also secretly wanted his praise and compliments. Like there were pretty, some pretty amazing stories that I went through and experienced in Israel. And I wanted his, like, this is amazing, da-da-da, right? I didn't, wasn't aware of that at the time, but looking back, that's really what was going on. And he, he decided this would be an opportune moment to give me some serious musr. Musr is like rebuke, like healthy, loving, tohaha is like giving me some rebuke about my character development. And um, he said, I said, did you read the article? And he said, mm-hmm. And I'm like, and? <laughs> like, not really wanting feedback, but wanting praise. And he said, mm, I counted the, the numbers of times you said I. I went, what? I, I don't even, no, I didn't even get the ouch yet. I wasn't even, I was so disconnected, I didn't even get that there was an ouch yet. She got it straight away. <laughs> there was an ouch, right? I, I wouldn't even get the ouch. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, tell me how good it was. <laughs> right? And, and he goes, I counted the number of times you said I, the letter I, the, the word I. I was like, what? But what do you mean? It's a story that I went through. So of course I'm going to say I. He said, but I counted how many times you wrote the word I, and there were a lot, a lot, a lot of I's there. <laughs> I'm like, so? I, I, didn't really even get, I didn't even get this concept. And he said, I don't even understand that you could tell the story without the I in it, if it's about you. But I saw the things I'm sharing out. He said, every single time you write I or say I in a conversation, all you're doing is bringing the reader's attention or the person you're speaking to's attention back to you. So you make yourself the center, which means God's not the center. You're the center. Or no one else is the center. You're for sure the center. He says, I'm giving you an exercise. I want you to go home and rewrite the exact same article and delete every single I. And rewrite it without any I's in it. I was like, really? Okay. I got home. I was so stumped. I didn't know how to do it. I said, well, give me an example. He says, well, I saw the man walking down the street. You could just say the man was walking down the street. Right? The man was walking down the street. It was a hot day. I saw the man walking down the street and I felt really hot. Not in that way. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is not a good day. Um, <laughs> and as I sat there at the computer and I was trying to delete the eyes, I started to cry. And I remember just crying as every time I deleted an eye and I deleted an eye and I deleted an eye. <laughs> And I realized what I was doing was just shedding myself, like letting go of this lower self, the ego. 
and it was it was on one hand painful and on the other hand liberating and I remember just sitting there crying it was one of the most powerful powerful exercises to try to do and start to be more conscious of how many times you use the word I you know when you're talking to people because that means it's all about you and what you feel and what you think and what you what's good yeah rather than to be about someone else it was like the one of the most transformative exercises and it was literally this exercise of removing yourself from the center okay so what I thought we would do now is do an L meditation and by that I just mean let's get into a zone where you can be clear clearer thinking and um, Don't worry about remembering or not remembering things. Just see what comes up. Let this be a free flow. This is not about right and wrong. It's not about getting it right. It's not about remembering everything. It's about whatever, whatever comes up is something that sh- needs to be just brought to your attention. And that's all it is. Yeah. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this, this afterwards that you can go through more thoroughly. And it will come back to you because the, the categories are here. And you can write it in. But this is really pretty much a thorough review of your year. In, in different areas that um, worth starting to think about so that you can have like a bit of structure because it's very hard to say yeah like uh, Alexa said a month to just go okay reflect like okay like what like is there so um, so the, the attitude again we remember with meditation is there's no judgment there's no expectation that's the hardest part because people go into meditation saying okay I'm going to have a good meditation no you just failed Right? Meaning, no expectation, it is what it is. It's just about being with the moment of whatever is coming up for you right now. And this moment is totally fine. It's totally meant to be whatever it is. is. If you fall asleep, it's because you, you're tired and you need to have a sleep. It's not a failure. It's just, that, that's just what it is, right? It's fine. It doesn't matter. You'll do it in the morning when you wake up. Um, but just allowing a sense of acceptance of whatever is coming up without judgment. So we get rid of judgment. We leave judgment at the door. There's no judgment. There's only curiosity of being curious about things. And when you're in that state of acceptance and curiosity about yourself, that's when you can be ruthlessly honest with yourself. It's only when you can just be, I'm just curious and doesn't mean anything about me. People think when they see things about themselves, it means I'm a bad person. It means I'm this or that. It means I'm going to, I don't know what, you put on your own worst fear, right? But if they think it means something about themselves, it doesn't. It just means that this is something to look at now to work on. That's it. And everyone has things. If it's not this, it's going to be something else. So just, just coming, at, at, coming to this with, with um, an approach of just accepting what is, being in the moment. Um, don't try and force yourself to think things. I know this is getting subtle and difficult, but if you can just allow yourself just to be there and just allow whatever it is to come up, it's better than trying to like think of an answer. Does that make sense? Rather than forcing a thought, just allow a thought to pop up into your head, if you can. It's, that's a bit, I know it's a bit vague and, and subtle. Um, and, and try not to analyze what it means. Like, it means this, it means that. Don't go into that. That, heads, that analyzing will take you out of the moment and just come back in. You can use your breath to anchor yourself if you find yourself wandering off. Just bring your attention back to your breath as a centering. If you notice you're wandering and thinking about, oh my gosh, am I going to eat? How am I getting home? Okay, just notice you're wandering. It's fine. Don't judge it. Just, oh, I'm wandering. Let me just bring my focus back to my breath. Um, and, and we'll just continue. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, talk through some different things and just see what pops into your mind there's like a free flow starting to reflect on your year yes okay so can we just make sure phones are off and off vibrate if they're on the table um just getting comfortable feeling your feet on the ground is anyone cold yes People are cold or they're okay. okay. Feeling comfortable, feeling your feet on the ground, your back against the chair. You can just sit however you want to for this. There's no right and wrong with meditation. It's whatever you need to be comfortable. Taking a deep breath into your lower belly. When you breathe in, push your belly out. So you take a full breath into your belly. And when you breathe out, you move your belly in. And if you feel comfortable, just gently closing your eyes. And just noticing what you notice when you focus internally. How are you feeling today? Might be the first time you've checked in. 
and just again just noticing what parts of your body are more tense, more relaxed. Not trying to change anything, just noticing. And just bringing this sense of awareness and witnessing to whatever is going on right now without the need to change it. Just bringing the sense of witnessing and awareness. And that awareness in itself is accepting. It just is. That awareness is just watching and just being with. And as you take a deep breath in, just noticing that it's easy to be aware. Just noticing how easy it is to be witnessing and with yourself. In fact, it's quite effortless. It's really just about the noticing. Noticing without doing anything. Taking your attention now to the top of your head and just noticing if there's any tension there. If there is, just giving it permission. If it wants to relax and release, it can. But only if it wants to. Moving your attention down to your forehead and your face, scanning it for any tension. Relaxing, releasing if it would like. Moving down to the back of your neck, your shoulders. Just finding it easy to let go of any tension if it would like to. Moving down to your back and spine. All the way down into your hips. Finding a secure base in your hips. Feeling it on the, on the chair. Just choosing and allowing any tension to let go. Moving your attention now to the top, your shoulders again, moving down the front of your body, chest, diaphragm, stomach. Even organs can hold tension. Just giving full permission for any organs, any part of your body, muscles, bones, fascia, to release. Intestines. Just finding it easy and effortless just to be here. Just allowing. Moving down into your arms upper arms, elbows, lower arms, all the way into your fingertips. And letting your body feel however it feels as it lets go of any tension that it would like to let go of. gently moving your attention into your legs, moving down your legs, into your knees, letting go easily and effortlessly, down into your calves, all the way down to your feet, to the tips of your toes. And as you're sitting here, it's noticing how easy it is to drift deeper and deeper and deeper into a place that's very still and calm, centered, and very much in touch with you your deeper self. 
without any effort, effortlessly, easily. Just knowing that there's nowhere right now that you need to be except here in this moment. And how nice that is to be in this moment without any pressure. Just allowing however you are to be completely okay. in this moment as you're drifting deeper and deeper easily and effortlessly down and down into the depths of your being it's at this time that you remember that Hashem is right here right now with you personally there is a higher divine creator that exists watching over you personally every moment of your life and loves you very very much and this divine creator God Hashem is right here right now with you in this room personally just notice what you notice when you remember that. What happens? What changes inside of you? It might be nothing. Everything is okay. Hashem is right here right now with you and only wants the best for you. notice how it feels when you make space internally to remember Hashem. And how is that different to your normal day-to-day feeling state? in this moment now we'll just spend a couple of minutes being with Hashem and with ourselves and being present the easiest way to do that is through being with the breath and just noticing the breath as you breathe in just seeing it fill feeling it fill your nose, your mouth into your lungs, all the way down and on the exhale Again, just being with the breath as it exhales. And just gently keeping a focus, a gentle focus on the breath at your own pace as you breathe in and you breathe out. Allowing enough space to also remember if Hashem is right here right now with you too. focusing on the breath when you notice that your mind wanders to something else just gently bring it back to the breath we'll just spend a couple of minutes in silence practicing this being with ourselves and Hashem and the breath
Just bringing your attention back to the breath. in this place when you're calm, centered, just gently turning our attention now to some bigger questions. Just allowing whatever answers pop up to pop up without any judgment. There's no right or wrong. Just seeing if there is something that comes as I ask the question. Who is one person in your life right now that you owe an apology to? See what name comes up. Who's one person you need to make an apology to? was one accomplishment that you really did this year that you can be proud of? Let's see what accomplishment pops into your mind. What's one accomplishment? It came up this year. Focusing now on your immediate family, parents, your siblings. How would you like to support, interact with, or move to the next level in your relationships with your immediate family? what needs to be worked on. What can you do differently to improve the quality of those relationships? Let's see what pops up. Again, try not to judge or analyze. Just stay in the moment and see what answers bubble up. Moving your attention now to interpersonal relationships with friends, colleagues, acquaintances, co-workers, neighbors, old friendships. And just doing a gentle scan with curiosity what relationships need work on my half, on my side? What relationships need better boundaries? What relationships do I need to increase my distance from? Who are the people in my life who I deep down know are not so good for me?
Who are the people in my life that I'd like to increase my friendship with? People who share the same values and direction. That would support my growth. I want to invest in. Again, just finding it easy to allow these answers to bubble up. Don't try and force or create effort. It should be effortless, effortless, easy. There's no right or wrong. Just be curious. just bringing your attention now to your own character traits. What needs to be worked on? Let's see what pops up. What character traits need to be worked on? Go through them. Kindness, patience. Judging favorably. Your ability to hold back. Not do something. Seeing the good. To see which character traits feel like the right ones to focus on. Finally, health. How could you improve your health in this coming year? What would you do differently to take care of yourself better in a real way? How's your eating, your sleeping, your exercise, your medical checkups, dentists? take care of yourself. Not what you should do. What would be supportive for you to move towards health? What could you do more of or less of? look to the coming year ahead, what would be one goal that you'd want to see that you could achieve in the coming year about who you are, about your potential, your ability to make a difference in people's lives. Just see if there's a one goal that you would like. It doesn't have to be the only one, but just what's one goal that pops into your mind that you'd like to achieve? You could look back in a year from now and say, wow, that was a good year. Just see what pops into your mind.
with all these answers and all these wisdom. Knowing that you can come here anytime, tuning into yourself, asking yourself these questions in a deeper way. And just bringing these insights with you into the room in your own time. Five. Feeling your feet on the ground. Four. Feeling the chair underneath you. Three. Taking a deep breath. In. Two. Hearing the sounds around you. And one. In your own time. Coming back into the room. And opening your eyes.